Welcome to Schneps Connects. This is your host, Josh Schneps. I'm happy to have on the show today, Catherine Garcia, who's running to be the next mayor of New York City. She's an experienced city manager who has an intimate familiarity with the city's vast bureaucracy. She is a first time candidate for elected office. Catherine was most recently the commissioner of the New York City Department of Sanitation, which is the world's largest municipal waste management agency. Catherine also served as chief operating officer during the Bloomberg administration at the New York City Department of Environmental Protection. In addition, Catherine also worked as CEO and interim chair of the New York City Housing Authority and served as food czar to feed hungry and vulnerable New Yorkers. Catherine is a mother of two, a lifelong New Yorker who lives in Park Slope, Brooklyn, the neighborhood where she actually grew up. Catherine, welcome. It's so great to have you on the show. Oh, it's great to be with you. And so, yes, I have managed to move two whole blocks away from my mother, uh, but it, it, it is the quintessential Brooklyn experience of uh, intergenerational connectivity. I love it. I love the connection to the roots. Well, I think everybody kind of has been touched by you, whether they know it or not, but running the Department of Sanitation, responsible for picking up all the garbage, removing all the snow, down trees, I mean, you name it. Um, but I would love for you just to share, especially with those that may not be intimately familiar with your background, just a little bit about yourself and your background. Certainly. So as you said, I grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, I've lived here all my life. I went to public schools and this was you know, back in the time of you played out on the street and there were no screens that could distract you. Uh, I was adopted and uh, my brother was adopted. So we were in a mixed race household and I saw how diversity really made us stronger. Um, we are still a very tight family, um, you know, through all of the now cousins and grandchildren that are around uh, and deeply invested in seeing the city do well and the city bounce back uh, and bringing the skills as as the city's crisis manager to the challenges we're facing right now. So I think that was one of my biggest questions as commissioner of the Department of Sanitation. What would you say is the biggest takeaway from running that organization to becoming the mayor of New York City? It is about delivering for New York City residents every day. Uh, as I like to say, you knew whether or not we did our job when you opened your front door and either we had plowed your snow or we hadn't. Uh, we had picked up your garbage or we hadn't. And we really strove to ensure that we were meeting New Yorkers expectations, which are high every day. Um, but it is about planning and really bring together strong teams to execute on the mission. And as far as obviously you were a part of city government, but what was the real impetus for you to say, you know what, I wanna run for elected office and I want that office, my, my uh, role to be as mayor of New York City? You know, particularly during this period, but even before it became more and more apparent that leadership mattered who was in the principal chair mattered in terms of decision-making, in terms of long-range planning, in terms of execution on policy goals. And that's why I joined the race. I have a particular skill set that the city needs to ensure that we are really going to bounce back from this. Uh, 
It is not for the faint of heart. It is an incredibly difficult job to serve New Yorkers every day. And I would, I would say that I am the only person who actually understands what that is like day in and day out. I think obviously COVID is the number one priority right now. It's getting through COVID, trying to conquer the vaccination and, and people really you know, not being scared of their health. But I think beyond health, really, it's ec economic, right? I mean, people want to be able to pay their rent or their mortgage or feel safe. So I guess my question to you is, what would you say is your plan and or strategy to generate an economic recovery? Oh, that is the crystal clear thing that we're going to have to focus on as soon as the public health situation abates. We have to bring jobs back. Uh, the way that we do this, we need to reopen. We need to reopen safely. But in order to reopen, kids need to get back into school. You have to feel safe. If we opened up every restaurant and people didn't feel safe in this city, they wouldn't go. And we need to keep the city clean. But crisis is an, also an opportunity. Uh, thinking about how we expand our green economy and create real pipelines for youth for those jobs. We're going to have to expand universal broadband uh, so that everyone has opportunities. And then one of the challenges we really saw is early childcare. It's critical both for the economy as well as for ensuring that those little people are able to be successful in school. Yeah, no, that's that's critical. Children, I mean, I want to talk about the Department of Education because I think, you know, you're very uniquely positioned to have been a commissioner. So, um, you know, the commissioner of the Department of Education is a huge uh, undertaking. Um, how do you see that that role can be improved? And do you know, have a sense of people that you would want to see in that position and or strategy that you would want to see executed for our schools? Yes, and, and, and public schools, are. we know that kids may have lost an entire year of learning. Mm -hmm. uh, Zoom school has not been particularly successful for a lot of kids. Uh, that means we need to focus on the school building, on the principals and the teachers who deliver education for us. Uh, and that means getting rid of a lot of layers in the central office and having them be closer to the chancellor uh, in terms of both information that they're receiving. They didn't get information about how to reopen very well. Um, they're finding out we're closed, we're not closed, we're open. Uh, at the last minute, they're finding out about positives in their schools at the last minute. Really hard for principals and teachers we have, that is where, that is where the education happens. And so everything we can to support them and put the resources in place that they need. And we know that they're going to need mental health resources because of the trauma that children have endured. We also need to be focused on literacy and early literacy and using scientifically based programs to get people reading so that by the time you're in third grade, you can read for information so that they can read your newspapers. Uh, but they can't do that with just what we have been using to date, which is not a scientific-based reading program. The next thing I really want to talk to you about is, is really where you stand on real estate development 
um, and achieving the goal of more affordable housing in New York City. There's clearly a balance that has to be made between um, development and gentrification and the ability of there to be enough units to have enough affordable housing as well as enough supply so the demand doesn't drive up pricing. So where do you stand on, on both development and creating affordable housing? I believe that the city needs to grow. Uh, we need to have affordable housing, but we need to have housing in general. Uh, we have had population growth, which hopefully we have again in the future. And we did not have enough units, which put enormous amounts of pressure on rents, uh, regardless of what income level you were at. It was high across the board. Um, and that's just a function of there was not enough supply in the system. And compared to other cities, we have built very, very little in the city of New York. And particularly on affordable housing, this is, these are permanent homes for people. These are, these are gonna give them the base to really do successful career development or to be able to really uh, go further with their education. Having a stable home underpins so much more of what we need to do in the city. And I wanna see that housing get built in every neighborhood. I think mixed income neighborhoods are healthier neighborhoods. Let's talk about public safety because that's also a tremendous priority. And this past year has seen um, a lot of pushback on the NYPD in terms of uh, really interactions with uh, minority groups, um, as well as uh, their funding, whether or not their funding should be taken away in certain cases or re-allocated. Um, but how do you find that balance? What's your vision for the NYPD or what would it be as, as mayor? NYPD needs reform. Black Lives Matter. My brother is Black. His life matters. Uh, but it's also a management problem. You know, you have to train them for what you want. And what we want is a guardian culture, not an enforcement culture. And then hold them accountable for actually walking the walk. Uh, it can't just be a module at the police academy that you take for a week and we're done. It has to be incorporated into the everyday experience of every cop on the beat. But I've also proposed that they should be 25 and not 21. It is asking a lot of a 21 year old to be handed a gun and a badge and protect and serve when they're gonna have to use their judgment. So 25 just gives them the opportunity to be a little bit more mature uh, as they come onto the force. The other thing I have said is that they need to live in the city. I understand that that requires state legislation, but I still think it's really important for them to live within the five boroughs uh, moving forward. So that we, when we talk about community policing, we are all part of the same community. Uh, and then, you, you know, you've got to hold people rigidly accountable. At sanitation, if you take a black bag and throw it in a white truck from a commercial restaurant, you get fired. You know, that is the type of accountability I understand how to implement. And that is the type of accountability PD has to uh, accept so that you can celebrate the cops who do a good job and who are really working hard in their communities to protect and serve. Uh, but we can't have 
the culture in the way that it is now. It, they have to be policing the same, no matter what the color of your skin is. I think it's been a big point that a lot of people have brought up that it would be beneficial to have police that either know or live in a community in which they serve. I guess some of the obstacles that have been brought up in terms of uh, police living in New York City is the cost of living. I mean, what other things do you think could be done to be able to make it either more affordable or um, for people in the force to be able to be recruited from their own neighborhoods? Yeah, the PD at the beginning scale of salary is on the low side, but it is in almost every industry in the city of New York, and then it grows over time. Uh, I sort of reject the argument that they aren't well paid uh, because NYPD and, and actually across the uniformed forces are well paid. Uh, they are asked to do a lot and they are paid well to do that job. What other things do you think can be done to uh, be more effective in terms of the administration of the vaccinations if that is still on the plate for the next mayor? I think we're all hoping that it'll be uh, just a small part that needs to be finished, but obviously there's a lot of unknowns, especially with the with the variant. Is there anything in terms of your belief or background in terms of how it can be addressed um, more expeditiously or efficiently? Yeah, it's like if I was able to deliver 130 million meals in you know, the course of just a few months, we should be able to deliver the 6.4 million vaccines for the population. Uh, this is, what you have to do. You have to plan for it. You should be using the city schools as vaccination hubs so that they're within walking distance of every New Yorker. We have to be doing mobile door-to-door -door for our homebound, uh, those who are disabled or who are elderly, so that we are getting to them uh, as quickly as possible, those most vulnerable populations, and working with our nonprofit communities to help overcome concerns around uh, the vaccine and whether or not people will wanna take it, but helping them get through also the technology challenge, a language challenge. And I've said I would reserve 25% of vaccines to go through nonprofits to ensure that they were able to help uh, some of those people who have the most barriers. But we also need to be thinking more in the long-term, as you said, uh, there may very well be new variants. It may end up being like the flu, where you're going to have to revaccinate mm -hmm. every year. Um, hopefully that isn't true, but given everything we've been, we should be planning for the worst case, which would be we're going to have to do revaccinations. Uh, identifying all the people and how to continuously do that, you're going to need to use our nonprofit sector our pharmacy sector, um, our, our health and hospitals, telehealth, to get people back in line as soon as we finish this first round. I know that climate change has also been a big centerpiece of, of your campaign. So if you can, tell me a little bit about what you're thinking and, and what as mayor you would have the power to do or enact to be able to fight against climate change in New York City. So one of the things that I am very excited about is as Rikers closes is to be able to make that a renewable energy center, a place where we could do batteries 
so that when the wind isn't blowing or the sun isn't shining, we still have power. But to be able to use that for solar and for wind um, and you know, use our wastewater treatment plants to produce uh, methane, all really exciting concepts. Uh, and of course, I would uh, start up the food scrap and yard waste collection because we can create a really healthy compost, which is, makes our soils vibrant and rebuilds our local economy and our local environment in our parks, on our street trees, in our gardens, uh, to green all of that. And also, as we think about flooding and issues with water, to have more rain gardens available and more green roofs. I think there's a ton of exciting things to do. And as mayor, you can propose incentives in property taxes. You can do uh, power contracts. Uh, you can do local law and rules. We do have a new local law that's gonna need to be implemented uh, to ensure that we are decarbonizing our buildings. Um, and that means that we are gonna need to one, have the electric power uh, but also the mechanisms like low interest loans so that folks can actually achieve what we've asked them to achieve. I think we've gotten a good sense of, you know, your background and some of the things that you really stand for and, and that you're campaigning on. But if I were to just ask you for a brief synopsis of, you know, why someone should vote for you as the next mayor, what would you say? So I have the vision about what we need for the future, about how to regrow our economy, take care of people, deliver real services, but with an eye towards climate change and making really strategic investments. But I've proven that I actually can implement plans, not just make plans. Well, Catherine, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and get to know you a little bit better. And I wish you the best of luck on the campaign trail. Thank you much. It's great to be on with you. Tune into a new episode of Schneps Connects every week by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com.